Welcome back, everybody, to episode 160 of the Batflip Podcast. My name is Damian here with Matt and David. Today, we are going to be bringing you an AL Central Division Outlook. Um, so we'll go over each team, go one by one, look at what their offseason, who they added, who they lost, um, and what we kind of overall feel about their offseason grade and what we expect from that team going into 2024. Uh, but before we get to that, David, how are you doing this week? Uh, was doing great till about lap 199, uh, <laughs> 500. It was going great. And then Ross Chastain got wrecked. William Byron won. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, overall, you know, we're, we're getting on baseball here and baseball was bad tonight too. Cubs are making some dumb moves over there, but, uh, we're talking about the AL central tonight. I think this division's really fun and I'm excited to get into it. How you doing, Matt? Doing, uh, doing pretty good. Uh, I actually watched the Daytona 500 as well. It was the first NASCAR race. As somebody who used to watch every single week without uh, religiously, it's the first NASCAR race I watched in like two years, and it was it was pretty good. I, I know the finish wasn't the best, being under caution, but it was it was entertaining for the most part. So uh, I did enjoy it. But um, but yeah, I'm ready to talk about a little bit of baseball. We've got spring training. Everyone's reported, and in in uh in um you know, in camp and starting off and we've got Spencer Strider throwing curveballs and Shohei Otani hitting after, for the first time after his injuries. And Dingers. we got, the, we got the Cubs signing uh, David Peralta and we've got all kinds of stuff. So <laughs> don't forget Don um, Smith. <laughs> uh, David Peralta is a pretty good signing as a minor league guy, but, 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 but yeah, Dom Smith. <laughs> so we're, uh, we're doing pretty good. How, how are you, Damien? Well, I'm back alive this week, That's finally. Good. So, yeah, last week I was dealing with the flu. I had a 101 to 102 fever for three days, Oof. three or four days. Um, so that was not fun. You could probably still hear it in my voice a little bit. And if I talk way too much, I'll probably start coughing on here. So I'm going to try and keep mine to as much of a minimal necessity as needed here. But, um, you know, like you said, the spring training has reported we get games in three days. I can't wait for that. I said games, game, I guess on Thursday is Dodgers Padres. So I can't wait for uh, just to have baseball back on our TV every single day. It's going to be going to be awesome. But let's go ahead and jump into it and focus on the American League Central today. Uh, and the first team that we're going to look at is the Kansas City Royals. They've spent a lot of money this year. They've signed their shortstop to a big time extension. Uh, and overall, I think had a solid off season, but you know, what do you guys think? And then uh, we'll go ahead and start with Matt. Well, this is a team that's getting a lot of, um, a lot of people calling them dark horses right now as in their division and, and a little bit of, they've got a little bit more buzz around them than they have in the last few years. But to be honest, I think this was a very good off season for them, but I still think this team stinks. Um, they've got a, they signed a couple of pitchers to pretty decent contracts, that are going to help them this year, help them eat some innings, and they've had decent results in the last couple of years. But they're also really good trade deadline candidates uh, to, to actually add something of value. Um, they brought in Hunter Renfro, which was a pretty good add, I think. Just veteran outfielder, plays pretty good defense in the corner. Um, you know, he's going to add some add some power to this lineup. And then, um, you know, they, the, the big thing, though, they, they signed Bobby Witt to that gigantic contract extension, which I think is I think it's fantastic for them to keep him and build around him. Because so many times over the last several years or a, after this last window, the, the Royals just didn't keep somebody around. And they're going to be going into a new ballpark in a few years and having that centerpiece to build around is a big deal for them. So I really like the Bobby Witt ad. 
um, or not add, but the, the extension. I think that was a fantastic move for their offseason. Um, you know, and, and everything else was just kind of like, you know, Adam Frazier and Garrett Hampson and just some like minor league type deals. Um, you know, they sw- they brought in uh, Will Smith and Nick Anderson for their bullpen. John Schreiber, I thought I think that was a pretty good add. And then they also brought in uh, Kyle Wright, who is not going to pitch this year due to injury. But I think that was another really good add as a guy with upside who's still under control for a couple more years that is just not going to pitch this year. And, you know, they can get him back when maybe they're a little bit closer to contention in 2025 and they can see what they've got in him. So, um, you know, I think it was a good offseason for them. I give it a I, – I mean, I, I don't see anything that I would have done differently for them. I mean, maybe those two pitchers are a little bit risky on the peripherals where – you might have signed a bad contract, but I give it a B plus probably, especially with the fact that bringing Bobby Witt back for the next 15 years or whatever it is, 14 years is a huge, huge deal for this franchise. And I think that's a, one of the, one of the best moves of the entire off season. Fangraphs is not helping me here. I was trying to find the total number of runs the 2023 Kansas city Royals gave up, but I'm I'm almost certain it's one of the worst in baseball. Um, the additions of Michael Waka and Seth Lugo are good additions to any team, but they're good additions to this group. Uh, this is a team that is very, very bad in, at pitching last season. It was Cole Reagans and everybody else, right? And they've been able to replace, uh, you know, minor leaguers effectively and, and a 40-year-old Zach Greinke with... Uh, with two guys who are, are quality major league pitchers at this point, Waka and Lugo, and, and they're going to start games and be pretty reliable. Th- that's a big adjustment, I think, to to where my expectations of the Royals are. They've also completely remade their bullpen with uh, World Series winner, what, three years in a row, Will Smith, coming to the bullpen. Josh Schreiber's really will, really good, and he just got moved over um, you know, a couple of days ago, so that's a fresh move for us. And and Carlos Hernandez is one of those guys that has always had some talent, but has never really gotten the the, the ERA numbers to, to go with a big like 100 mile an hour fastball. And I like their lineup. I think their lineup has a lot of really young guys that can can kind of explode onto the scene. I think we're 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 in for a Vinny Pasquantino breakout. That, that's kind of my assumption here. Is the the 2024 Royals will go with Bobby Witt Jr. But if they can get one of Vinny Pasquantino, Nick Prado, Nelson Velazquez, uh, one of those guys just breaking out and having a monster season, and then that coupling that with really solid production from Hunter Renfro, like I, I think this team can compete for this AL Central division. I wouldn't pick them to win it, but they're not going to win 56 games this year. They're going to they're going to beat that mark. They're going to be up there in the 70s, I think. You know, I think they'll also try to sell at the deadline. I think they'll try to um, you know, potentially shift some of this value into future value, but you know, that that'll only happen if they're well out of the race by the deadline and I don't really anticipate that they will be. This is this is a group, you know, it's led by Salvador Perez still who, you know, while being a a catcher at this point, barely, he's still a leader, right? He's the kind of guy in the clubhouse that you'll, you'll want to keep around. And uh, they've shown no, no regard for moving him. So I just, I don't know. I like the Royals maybe a little bit more than Matt does. Uh, also MJ Melendez, right? I mean, there's, there's just a number of guys on this team, young guys that I feel like could really break out and explode. Another young guy, Bree Singer, right? He, he was really good a couple of years ago um, to get the exact number. My thing is not moving quick at all tonight. Um, 
the exact number for Brady Singer, 323 ERA in 2022. Um, and then last year, a 552 ERA with a 429 FIPS. So Brady Singer definitely maybe getting a little bit unlucky to some extent, but the Royals hung on to him. And, you know, they brought in a bunch of veteran pitchers to, to kind of, you know, build around Brady Singer. And I think, you know, he'll get an opportunity to, to flip that narrative going forward. Yeah, the, the story for Kansas City's young young players, I'm giving them a solid B uh, on this offseason and maybe even an A minus. You know, this is a this is a good offseason. This is a team that turned it around. I think they're in contention for this AL Central because it isn't going to be a, a, a division that's going to take 90 games to win. And I could see them getting up in there to into the 80s, but it, it'll take some some breakouts. And I think they've got the pieces to do that. Yeah, so the number you were looking for is 859 runs allowed last year, a 517 ERA. Both yeah. were third worst in the league behind Colorado and Oakland. Yeah, I, I, they're going to do better than that. That's by by a large margin. Yeah. Um, I I generally think this is a solid offseason as well. I don't know if this team's good enough quite to be in division contention. I think they're going to be definitely in contention for maybe – two i i see this team probably finishing third in the division most likely but i i think they can make a run at two potentially um so it, it's a solid offseason but i'm just happy to see other teams like the royals they, they've spent more money this offseason than they probably have in the past three years combined in in free agency like they've they've had a really good offseason for a team that yeah they were really bad last year but they're trying to make those strides forward again to be a another good team and getting guys like Seth Lugo and Michael Waka, who they're on solid deals. They're going to be good veterans around. They're going to be help that team right now. But also like Matt said earlier, if they're not that good, they're very flippable pieces. So in general, I like both of that. And they, it's, it's going to be about their young guys developing. So it's going to end up being the end of the day. So let's jump over to the Chicago White Sox, who finished at 61 and 101. What was that five games better than the Royals last year? Um, and I think they've had completely the opposite kind of offseason than the mm -hmm. Kansas City Royals. But, uh, David, what do you think? Yeah, this is a, you know, if I had to pick a, a team to finish last, I'm picking the White Sox um, pretty, pretty easily, right? I mean, this is a team cemented by Luis Robert. Um, who was a superstar last season, hit 38 home runs, put up, you know, five plus wins above replacement, playing great defense in center field. But um, Luis Roberts, the kind of guy who's going to need some help around him in order to be able to compete. And this White Sox team has done absolutely nothing but get worse this off season. Um, you know, they picked up a, a huge chunk of those big, um, you know, kind of bulk pieces from the Braves, right? Including Michael Soroka and, you know, for, for uh, Aaron Bummer, they've traded away uh, Santos, uh, who was a really good reliever. They, you know, they've kind of gutted their bullpen effectively and then replaced out that bullpen with John Brebbia, Jesse Chavez, Tim Hill. Um, you know, they're going to give Garrett Crochet and Michael Kopech chances to start, right? And, and they've brought in Eric Fed. Uh, you know, I just think this, this rotation is going to get lit up. Dylan Cease is going to be gone. They've been shopping him all winter. It's new leadership with Chris Getz back there who is just getting promoted, right? And then Jerry Reinsdorf's busy trying to build a new stadium at this point, which is is questionably needed. I don't think it is needed, but you know, that's that's kind of Jerry gonna Jerry and, and they just they brought in like Paul DeJong, right, to to anchor the middle infield as Tim Anderson goes on. So um 
This is a group that has done very little productively. They didn't move Dylan Cease, right? And if Dylan Cease hurts his arm or something this season, the value for him is probably effectively gone when you could have picked up maybe two or three good prospects for him when they're holding out for like the two or three best prospects they could possibly get. Uh, you know, it feels like they're overplaying their hand with him. It feels like they just don't have it. They didn't replace any of their young players that have left. They didn't extend anybody, right? Like this is just a, a group that's kind of spinning in their tires right now. And um, obviously with Gats, with the new leadership, they're going to have to make some decisions pretty soon. You know, I, I, I can imagine that at this deadline, they'll sell off uh, maybe not only Cease, but maybe some other big, larger pieces. Maybe Ilo Jimenez, if he's having a good season, you know, I, I would say maybe everyone is on the table at that point. Um, but I, I anticipate this team losing a lot of games. I'll give their offseason like a C minus and then, yeah, outlook for the season. I pick them to finish last in this division. Yeah, I, I give them a, for their offseason, I give them a C plus. I think just, I think that they they made the moves that they made some of the moves that they kind of needed to make the type of moves they needed to make. They brought in some guys that have some form of upside, a guy like Michael Soroka, who, you know, that was going to be the odd man out with the Braves. But, you know, he was really good a few years ago and, you know, his velocity's still there. So you think that maybe if he's able to get regular time at the big league level, that maybe he could figure it out a little bit. So you brought in a guy with upside that you gave up a reliever for. Uh, you know, you bring in, uh, you, you, you know, like you bring in like a, a couple of former top prospects as well, like like Schuster, who is, I mean, he was a former first rounder. You've got a lot of former first rounders and stuff in your organization now. Uh, their farm system's gotten better too. Um, you know, they, they've gotten better there. But this is an interesting roster in that it's kind of a, a cautionary tale as to how a rebuild can fail without it totally being your fault. Um, I think that in some ways it's for sure their fault because of, you know, I think the culture in their, you know, organization has been pretty bad the last few years. But, I mean, it's one of those things where you, you bring in guys and just like Yo Moncada, Eloy Jimenez, those two guys were – that was, they, they made the right – that was the right move for them to acquire those guys when, and, and for the guys that they acquired them for and everything. But it just didn't work out because they kept getting injured. It's just kind of one of those things about how prospects are prospects, um, you know, until they're good big leaguers. So, uh, you know, now Luis Robert is fantastic. Um, you know, I, he's got four years of control left. Um, I think that he's a, a key piece here. You know, I, I do think this is a team that is going to continue to sell. I think that they're hoping for Yon Moncada and Eloy Jimenez to stay healthy this year. Um, so that they can maybe move those guys elsewhere, um, you know, and get some more prospects back. Because, I mean, Eloy Jimenez still has the potential to be a 35 home run. You know, he's like Jorge Soler a little bit, where he could hit 35 home runs, put up a 900 OPS one year, and get traded for like a top 100 guy or something. Like, he's that kind of a player. It's just, it's it's in there. It's just he can't stay healthy. Um you know, maybe you can find a way to maybe Andrew Benintendi has a hot first half like he did a couple years ago, and you can move on from that. You know, get a little bit of relief from that contract. Um, you know, like like he did a couple years ago when the when the Royals moved to the to the Yankees. He's a guy that's capable of putting up a high on base percentage for you know half a season or so. But um, you know, going forward, this team is for sure. I think I don't think they're as good as the Royals. I, I definitely think the Royals are a fourth place team. I think that the White Sox are probably a fifth place team. Um, you know, if 
everything clicked for this team with their all their guys staying healthy and performing to their talent level, then I could see them maybe winning more games than people realize, think they will. But I still think this team's pretty rough. Um, you know, I I, um, I think it's going to be interesting to see if a success for this team this year would be that Kopech or Garrett Crochet pitch well and don't get injured and figure it out a little bit because those guys have so much talent to you know just you know their stuff has been so good coming up and Kopech just has never figured it out Garrett Crochet's barely been able to get on the mound because of injuries so if those guys can be healthy and pitch to their talent you know that could be a really successful thing for them and then the whole Dylan C situation like I mean I would have moved him this offseason but because you, there's no guarantee with a pitcher to stay healthy. And Dylan yeah. Cease could very well uh, – he, he's a guy that has some risk of underperformance too because of the walks. Um, and then he's a guy that, you know, it's very – he very well could get hurt, and then you get nothing for him. Like, they really need to, to move him. And they still could. There's still a few weeks left before the season starts. But, you know, I've, there's tons of free agents that still haven't signed yet. So, uh, obviously, there's player movement to happen. But – it sounds like Cease is definitely sticking around, and um, even the more aggressive teams have been avoiding that, saying that they're asking for too much. So the White Sox must feel really good about the first half he's going to have this year to where it's worth mm. the risk. But uh, but yeah, it's not a. Uh, I, I definitely don't think it's the best uh, the best idea to, to hold him and and have him potentially get hurt through the first half or, or underperform or something. So. Uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, this team is pretty bad, but I give them kind of a C plus in their off season, and I think that they're kind of at the front end of their rebuild. They're, it's starting; the farm system's improving. Um, they've got a new front office. They just need to keep getting pieces back that for for these guys that they can whatever pieces they can get, you know, for these guys, and uh, keep, keep building that farm system up again. Yeah this this is a team that's heading in the wrong direction. Um, I. Man, they really, I in my eyes, fumbled the Dylan Cease stuff here this year. Like, teams were willing to pay a, a decent amount of prospect capital for it, and the White Sox were just going above and beyond what they were asking for. Um, so it just, it was a bad move to me. And, and if your ceiling right now is, hey, we're going to be a potentially a, a fourth place team here, and where you're trying to hold on to those guys like that, like, I understand holding on to Luis Robert. But I don't understand, like making sure you're trying to hold on to Dylan Cease because nobody's going to give you, you know, four of their or three of their top five prospects plus you know a couple lottery tickets as well. It's like doesn't seem right. Um, but the best, real quick, the best example I heard was that people are saying that the White Sox were charging for 2022 Dylan Cease, acting yeah. like he didn't just come off a season at you know like over four ERA, right? Like yeah he was much worse last year. He wasn't the ace pitcher. He was in 2022 and you can't charge for an ace when there's very clear evidence that he's not always that. Well, well I was, I was going to say on, on that point, I, I don't blame the white Sox totally for that because they think he's got ace level talent and that if mm-hmm. he shows it for the first half of this year, his values back up to what it was, you know, what it would have been if he was still ace levels. So they're like, we can probably get more at the deadline than we can right now. It's just a risk. It's, it's if he's healthy, it's a risk. So I don't totally blame him for it. Although I would have gone ahead and moved him because I think the chances of a pitcher getting injured are higher than a chances of a pitcher having an ace level season, even if it's a really mm-hmm. good pitcher. So I did. I still disagree with it, but I do understand where they're coming from with it. 
I don't understand it in front of this team. If this is the yeah. team you're going to put out there, like Dylan Cease is not going to have a good season. Like this team's not good. Going to be around him. Mm. Um, Underrated is there. They had the worst move of the off season as well. Martin Maldonado for a major oh, yeah, league contract really is bad. the worst move of the off season. Yeah. I think of yeah. anybody. Yeah. yeah. Um, looking over at the comment section real quick, our friend Nathan has chimed in. Um, and he said the race ending is my fault. It's not my fault, <laughs> Nathan. Okay. Um, but he said, he, can we talk about how Reinsdorf should be laughed out of Illinois? Mm. <laughs> well, he, so Reinsdorf is basically asking for tax, like a tax break, basically for, um, the White Sox to be able to build the new park and kind of fudging it over onto the, um, the citizens of, of Illinois and Chicago and, um, you know, instead of paying for a ballpark himself and, you know, that's pretty standard uh, business practice for baseball owners. But at the same time, it's always, always going to be looked at unfavorably. And he's moving them effectively like 10 minutes up the road. (laughs) Like it's, it's extremely not, uh, you know, where they they could just build in place, right? Like, you know, or revamp the existing stadium or something, right? I mean, the, there's no reason to to kind of move it right up the road like they are. It's not the, the Bears situation. Um, so, but Reinsdorf owns the Bulls, the Blackhawks, and and the Bears as well as the White Sox. And uh, he, you know, you, you can kind of tell, right? I mean, the, the last time any of those teams were relevant was early 2000s, like with the exception of the Blackhawks with the run. But they're terrible now. Like it's just it's poorly run organizations that always collapse. The White Sox are no different. Blackhawks are even worse than my Preds. It's saying something. Yeah, no, they, no. their their only good player broke his jaw and was out for a month. But that's true. That's true. Um, so let's jump over to the Cleveland Guardians, who finished seventy six and eighty six, eleven games back of the division here, and they've had not. I, I, looking back at their off season, it's not as bad as what I thought it was. They've had a couple of interesting moves, but this team's mostly holdover from last year. Um, but they do have a lot of potential here. And Matt, what do you think about their off season? And then what this team is looking like here into 2024? Um, so their off season, I guess I could just give it a C cause they didn't really do much. Um, they added Scott Barlow in a trade, uh, which is a pretty good reliever. Cleveland's always gotten a lot out of relievers, so that's a nice add. Um, and, uh, I mean, that's really pretty much all they added other than just some guys that are going to be kind of in contention to get roles. Like, I believe uh, Estevan Florial is one that they added that, you know, they, they probably will try maybe give a role if, if uh, Miles Straw struggles to start the year in center field. Um, you know, there, there's a few, a few guys, the thing, the thing with this team is that, um, oh, they also, they, they've got Anthony ghost too, which is kind of crazy. He's a pitcher now, um, <laughs> he's back. but yeah, he throws hard too. So, uh, Fangraphs actually has a projected for a sub four ERA, which is pretty impressive for a guy who was, a never pitched, didn't pitch for years, but, um, but anyway, so I actually kind of like this roster, um. I mean, I think that they've got upside compared to some th- these first two teams we've talked about. They're extremely young. They only have one player in their projected everyday lineup that's over 30 years old, and that's their star player, Jose Ramirez. Everyone else is like, I mean, Ramon Laureano is 29, but everyone else is young. I mean, they've got a, a lot of a, a high high level prospects um, coming up. I really like um, 
you know, that they're, you know, I like Stephen Kwan in their leadoff spot. He gets on base a lot. I think this team, the biggest thing with this team is they're going to struggle to hit for power. Um, and I think that, you know, Kyle Manzardo is a guy that they got last year at the deadline that I, I like. I think he's going to be a pretty solid, um, you know, a pretty solid piece for them at first base. Um, you know, that's a position that they've kind of, you know, they tried Josh Bell there last year and ended up having to move on from him. But I mean, if you just look at their lineup, there's a there's a chance if they're if their young guys, you know, kind of click um, and, and perform at you know to their talent level. They got Bo Naylor for his second year in the big leagues, who could be a really good hitting and defensive catcher. Um, there's a chance they could be five or six deep with really solid hitters in their lineup. And when you combine that with the pitching that they've got, which I still really like their pitching. Shane Bieber's a really solid pitcher. I don't know if he's like the, the ace of aces that he was, you know, that we, he was thought to be for a little while there, 2020, 2021 timeframe, but he's still a really good pitcher. Um, Tristan McKenzie hopefully stays healthy this year. That's been his issue, but he was really good last year and the year before when he was healthy. And then they've got Tanner Beebe and uh, Gavin Williams coming off a really strong rookie showings that are now in their second year. They're established at the big league level, and Logan Allen as well. These are all former high-level prospects that are you know now in their second year in the big leagues in a in a in a um, in a organization that's done a really good job developing pitchers, and then their bullpen is really good. Emmanuel Classe is a really good. He, he was a little bit down last year, but he's still really good. Uh, Scott Barlow, I talked about him coming in. Sam Hinches is is really solid, hard throwing lefty. Um, and then they've got Trevor Steffen, who's been good. Eli Morgan's had a couple good years there, here and there. And then they've still got James Karinchak, who at one time was one of the nastiest pitchers in baseball, but he's been so inconsistent with the control. There's a chance that he has a, a really solid season with that, you know, the control comes back a little bit, and he, you know, could be another back end of the bullpen type guy. Uh, he's got that kind of talent. It, it, it's just the, there's a lot of volatility with him. So, I mean, I don't think this is a team that's going to win the World Series or anything. But, I mean, I think this is a team that's definitely a, a strong contender for the AL Central. Especially, I, I don't think anybody's talking about them at all right now. Because the Tigers made a lot of moves. And the Royals made a lot of moves. And the Twins were the, are the defending winner of this division. But I really think that this team is right up there. I mean, they're they're like a, they're tied for the you know, favorite for me in this division. I I do like this team and they've got a lot more upside because they're youth. So uh, I, I think I give this, I mean, I give the off season a C just because they didn't really do much, but I think the development here is going to be really nice. And I think they could have a good season. Yeah. I mean, everything Matt says is, is right. You know, this isn't a team close to true contention, but it feels like they're missing a little bit, a little bit of something, and and maybe maybe Ramon Laureano unlocks his like you know what three month stretch the the year he came into the big leagues when he was a, a legitimately good good player and something he hasn't kind of hasn't been since then. Uh, maybe Andre Jimenez gets back to uh, 2022 when he had a 141 WRC plus. But um, you know my my ultimate belief is that this team is just not. Um, impactful enough, right? Jose Ramirez can't really do it on his own. Josh Naylor had a really, really good breakout season last year, um, but he's, you know, guy who hits the ball on the ground a lot, and those guys we know can go from, like, having a really good season to having a really bad season kind of back and forth. They're a little bit volatile. Um, Kyle Manzardo's a rookie, and I really like Kyle Manzardo, right, to the point I've got him on my Dynasty baseball team, but 
I, I, you can't trust a rookie to come in and carry the offense. And the rest of their lineup just isn't that, you know, much. It, it isn't. They don't have that much offense to to give. The slug will be down for this team. I worry they'll st- struggle to score runs, and that'll put a lot of pressure on their pitching. And their pitching, as we discussed, good, very good. The bullpen. This is how they've won the AL Central in the past. But I think the 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 increase in offense at both in Detroit and Kansas City is going to put a lot more pressure on their offense to succeed and. Uh, you know, I think this is like an 80-win team right now, and I don't think 80 wins wins this division. Um, the the offseason itself is very inconsequential. I'm going to give it like a D because I think they could have done more to go out and try and establish themselves as a front runner in this division when you have a starting rotation as good as what Matt just said, right? This is a team that could have used more moves. I don't know if there's any moves out there that make sense right now. Like, this isn't an organization that's going to go out there and sign Cody Bellinger. But like, even if you just go grab... A brain and belt right now, right? Who could potentially step in there and DH in and yeah, you know, they've got two first basemen. Maybe you can keep Mansardo down, whatever. Um, but they just need more power is where it is. And, and a lot of those power guys that would have fit on like a short term one year deal, they're gone now. Um, so yeah, I mean D D minus for their off season and uh they need more power. This is a group that um just isn't gonna be able to to carry the the offense isn't gonna be able to do enough to get them into the playoffs in my opinion. Yeah, I'll say one one more uh, guy to kind of watch for. It's might be interesting. I was listening to the uh, Effectively Wild podcast preview for this team the other day, and they mentioned him. Dave Vizon De Los Santos is a yeah. five pick that they got, and he's got like eighty grade raw power, which is totally. But he's terrible with his discipline and stuff. So if he figures it out at all, which is unlikely, but you know, you never know. Like this guy's got the 80 grade raw power that that he could be a fun player to have on your team. He's like a Fran Mil Reyes type guy or something. So um, it could be interesting, but just just another guy to kind of look out for here. Yeah, I wonder if the, if they could do something within their their depth slash middle infield area. Like yeah. they have Brian Rocchio, but he has he hasn't been great. I mean, they could even use a second baseman and move Andres Jimenez to shortstop. I mean, you could, but it's just they're they're going to put him in as at second. You're going to have Jose Ramirez at third. It, both of those are fine, but your shortstop being either Brian Rocchio or Gabriel Arias is just not. It's not a great Ain't move, um, you know. And then even then, I mean, even Matt, you mentioned De Los Santos. Where is he supposed to play? I mean, he they have him as an infield outfield here, but I'm guessing he's supposed to be like a third base, first base type slash DH. Well, you're talking about all those bots being taken already. So unless you're moving like Jose Ramirez, which doesn't make sense. I mean, you're moving him to second and Jimenez to third or shortstop. I mean, like, I don't know. This this middle infield just doesn't, it's not that great. They need another guy in there. And like David said, they need somebody with some power to be a consistent bat here. I'm not sure where you're going to find that in in the shortstop or second base, but you know, this team, it's solid, but even then it's not great. And the depth is very, very scary here. Like they have no depth on this lineup at yeah. all. Um, I mean, right now their projected bench is Austin Hedges, Gabriel Arias, De Los Santos, and Estevan Florial. Like, yeah, I don't know if any of those guys should be in the major leagues. And that's the mm-hmm. that's their starting bench right now. Um, now Cleveland always has good pitching. I mean, they do. That's the thing that's going to be very good for them. And they play solid defense. Man, they're not going to be able to hit injuries. It, it's going to be a very, very risky team. This feels like a team that would be if if the uh, 
if the Brewers were going to move on from him, this feels like such a good spot for Willie Adamas. Yeah. I, no, mean, I mean, he'd be a great put, spot. Yeah. I mean, it's perfect. He's got power and he's a short, a good defensive shortstop. He can fill mm-hmm. in that spot every single day, hit for power. And then, you know, Brian Rocchio can, can kind of be a utility guy for this year if he's ready to be in the big leagues. And if he, you need to send him a triple A for more seasoning, then you've got, you know, Arias can be the, it just increases your depth. Like that would be a great move for them. And they've probably have the prospect capital in de- depth wise to pull it off um, and not really hurt very much from it. So I think that would be really cool. One other guy I want to mention is Daniel Espino. It sounds like yeah. there's a chance that he could be healthy mid season. So uh, he's nowhere really, near major league ready. That would be so fun to, if he is a bullpen arm for them late in the season though. He's such a good. He, that's such a good example of a guy. That's yeah. why you say no. No such thing exactly. as pitching prospect. Yeah. Just, I mean, yeah. that guy is his stuff is just his stuff out of is, this world. is insane. But he didn't pitch at all last year, and he had 18 innings in 2022 at Double A. I just don't know if he's gonna be yeah, even a realistic option at all for this year. Not for not for this year. Yeah, maybe um, next year if but, the arm if the arm is okay. But super electric stuff. And one thing is they do have – they brought him in on the minor league deal, Carlos Carrasco. Yes. Like yes. they they do have, have him down there as well who could be another really good pitching for them. Pulling but, for him to make the big leagues. Yeah, but again, pitching's not their problem here. It's mm-hmm. going to be the offense. No. It's going to be the power yep. on that side. They're going to play really good defense, which you know, good for them. But they, they need somebody with some power there um, consistently and preferably like a middle infield type guy. So let's jump over to the Detroit Tigers now, who had a 78 and 84 record, finished nine games back in the division here. Um, and they've also had a pretty interesting offseason. They signed a prospect, Colt Keith, to a big, uh, you know, a big long term deal. Um, they've signed a couple pitchers to, to jump into that rotation here. Um, I think the Tigers probably overachieved a little bit last year. I think they surprised us at the, that 78 win mark. Um, do you think that's repeatable here, David? And do you think that, you know, they could even strive above that? Yes. And yes. Um, the Tigers were maybe, are maybe my favorite of the two underdogish teams, right? The Royals and the Tigers are kind of the two and they're in that same boat. A lot of young guys, but not really a, um, not really that favorite pedigree here uh, to win this division. I think this Tigers team has taken some major steps forward. They've improved the bullpen with Andrew Chafin and Shelby Miller, uh, where Alex Lange and Jason Foley already locked down a very strong back end of the bullpen. Those guys are both really, really good. Uh, Foley is a kind of heavy ground ball righty that uh, throws hard, but gets gets a lot of grounders. Um, and Lange has a, some really, really electric stuff, really big curveball. Um, and Chafin's a very reliable veteran who's been on the Tigers before. And, uh, you know, I think the, their bullpen being a lot deeper will allow them, their starting rotation, a little more flexibility. And they're going to need it because, you know, they've they've signed, I think, maybe one of the better free agent contracts in Kenta Maeda this offseason. Where Maeda is, you know, when, when healthy and when able to pitch, Maeda has been extremely effective. Um, and he, he went for a very cheap amount compared to kind of the rest of the going rate for, for a lot of those guys. And and we kind of questioned it, like, why did Maeda go for this little? Like, he's going to step into this rotation. He's going to get to to work with Tariq Skubal, who, I you know, a lot of people are pegging as potentially a, a Cy Young favorite in the AL, uh, who has had some really, really good seasons. And I think Skubal is maybe the, the driving force behind this rotation. 
but I love the Kenta Maeda signing. And I think Jack Flaherty in a ballpark like this can, you know, focus on throwing strikes without fear of getting obliterated, right? He can just sit, get in there, focus on throwing strikes. And then, you know, if he doesn't walk too many guys, I think Flaherty can maybe get back to a pretty solid version of himself. And I love Mark Hanna in this rotator, in this, uh, uh, lineup, right? I mean, this it's a lineup full of young young star bats and guys like Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson who, you know, you want to see take a step forward, but they have a lot more time in the majors than some of those guys in Cleveland, like Manzardo. Um, you know, Colt Keith is obviously going to be fighting for Rookie of the Year, but he's already gotten the extension, so he's you know, fully invested by the team as someone they're going to start day one. What this team is missing is a third baseman. It makes a lot of sense to for them to go out and, and spend a little money and bring Matt Chapman on board, maybe for two or three years, and try and win this division this season, right? I think they're they're sitting right where Cleveland is right now, right around 80 wins, if you have to project it out. And this offseason hasn't been amazing for them yet. I like a lot of things they've done, but it's sitting at like solid B. You could drive that up to an A if you go out and sign one of these remaining guys and, and, and add one more bigger bat, especially if you could slide Zach McKinstry to that utility role um, on the bench. You know, he's a very valuable bench player, but he's not so much a starter. Being able to bring in like a solid third baseman like Matt Chapman would really round out this Detroit lineup. So, you know, I think they have every opportunity to go out and do that. We just, we haven't heard any anything connecting them. I think the pieces are there. It's a lot like what I said last week with Montgomery and Baltimore. Probably doesn't happen. They're not going to listen to me, but uh, I like the opportunity for, for Detroit here. And, and at the very least, they're going to be competing for this division. And that's a big step in the right direction. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i not as high on this team as you are, David. I, 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 their offseason, I think, was pretty good. I mean, they re-signed a prospect that they really like, um, and, you know, gave him an extension and bought out a couple of free agent years. Um, they brought in, you know, a couple of uh, buy low type pitchers on not super expensive deals with Maeda and Flaherty. Uh, you know, they they added some, uh, you know, they added a couple of relievers. I like the Andrew Chafin ad. Um, you know, I think that was a pretty good one to, to get. You know, they. I just I look at this lineup and I don't see a player in this lineup who's capable of being a star. Unless Riley Green really figures out how to take pitches and not strike out a ton and hit the ball in the air, which he's got the talent to, but him and 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 maybe Colt Keith, since he's a rookie, could could end up just taking the world by storm. But I mean, everyone else. I mean, it seems like Torkelson has still has potential to be a really solid big leaguer, but his you know, maybe his ceiling of being the number one overall pick that he was and everything isn't quite what, you know, he's not, I don't think he's quite like a superstar level ceiling anymore. And the rest of these guys, I mean, you've got, you know, Kerry Carpenter really overperformed what I would expect from him last year. Maybe he backs it up again, but, you know, he wasn't really somebody with a lot of pedigree and hit a lot of home runs. Um, The profile's kind of scary with him. Um, I, I just don't believe in Javier Baez anymore. I mean, I think that a lot of his issues aren't really from injury, but more from just the plate disciplines finally catching up to him because he can't, he's not quite as much of an athlete as he once was, even when he is healthy to, to be able to just get away with like swinging at literally everything that ever comes his way. Um, and I, I understand the whole, you know, you feel really good if this team could sign another player thing. And, and I get that because I do feel like that would put him closer to contention in the division but at the end of the day, like this team, 
is just okay. And uh, they've also got, you know, you talk about Matt Chapman, they've got uh, Jace Young at AAA this year, who is a high-level prospect who's killed the minor leagues, who you could maybe end up seeing in the big leagues later this season. So that's another guy to kind of look out for for them. Uh, but, you know, the pitching, I don't believe in Jack Flaherty. I really like Tariq Skubal. I feel I'm, I worry about the young guys that they've had over the last few years. Casey Mize is coming off of Tommy John surgery. He, he should be in the mix at some point uh, early-ish this year. Uh, and Matt Manning's really struggled at the big league level. Like last year, he pitched 78 innings. He had less than six strikeouts per nine, which is really rough. His ERA was pretty good, but I mean, the, the peripherals were terrible. I, I definitely see regression for him. I love Tariq Skubal. I think he's going to have a great year, but I just don't think this team's got, um, I just don't think this team's got enough to, to really be, I think they're a clear third behind the Guardians and the Twins in this division. So I think that having some of these young guys take another step forward is a big-time success for them. They shouldn't be expecting going to the playoffs this year. But I give this – I mean, I still give the – I still give the offseason a B-plus or a B because they, they did do some things that were, you know, good for a team in their position to do. Yeah, they made some solid moves here. I probably like the offseason better for, like, the Royals in this division than I do the Tigers – but I think the Tigers might just be a step right above the Royals here still. Um, they have a lot of potential. You know, they, you guys mentioned Riley Green, Spencer Torkelson. I'm interested to see what Colt Keith can be. I really do believe high in Jace Jung. I think he'll be up this year before the All-Star break um, and playing third base. So maybe the Matt Chapman thing doesn't make all that much sense there. But I think this this team just needs their guys to develop some more. Um, you know, they've been in this rebuild period for a few years. You're starting to see those guys make it to the major leagues or be very close. And you just need to see them develop here. Um, and the, the pitching has been their main thing, but you know, school can break out. You get Flaherty looking back like himself here, potentially um, go into that bigger ballpark and maybe they find something with him. Kent Maeda is solid. So uh, Reese Olsen's also a nice, like, under the radar type guy is going to be as their five starter. He had a solid last year, his first year in the majors. So interested to see what his second year can look like there. But overall, this team is they're a middle of the road team here in the division. They're not going to compete for for the division title, I don't think at all. But um, they're a team to watch out for here in the next few years if these guys really do develop. So uh, let's jump over to the division winners last year. That being the Minnesota twins at an 87 and 75 record. Um, and their off season has been interesting to say the least. They've, they've made a couple trades here, got, you know, uh, what they do is Steven Ogert for, uh, for Nick Gordon there, but most of their, and, and trade Jorge Blanco. Um, but most of their, their rotation. Most of their lineup here has been, you know, set from last year, and the rotation is going to be where the big question mark is here. So, Matt, what do you uh, what do you think about the Twins? Yeah, um, their off season was okay. They're one of those teams that's been hit by the uh, TV thing with with Bally's, um, you know. So they've been kind of un- they've been concerned about payroll this off season. So given that, which I mean. I'm not going to get into whether or not that's a legit concern, <laughs> but uh, going going into that, uh, you know, you've got. I think the Jorge Polanco trade really saved their off season. 
I really liked that they brought in a couple. They brought in a, a top 100 prospect, and they brought in a, a couple of major leaguers that are going to be ma- you know major league pieces for them this year. And Justin Topa and Di Sclafani. Um and then uh, you know they signed Carlos Santana was another move they made. They really needed a first baseman. Uh, Jose Miranda's kind of been not great so far, and um, you know they they want to play Edward Julian at, th- at second base to start off with. And I do think they have a prospect that's a potential. Brooks Lee is the guy yeah. that could slide in there. And, and, you know, if Carlos Santana is struggling, you can bump Edward Julian to first. And, or you could have Carlos Santana DH if Kirilov's struggling. You know, there's a lot of different things you could do, add some, some things. Uh, so I, I like that. Um, you know, the lineup I think is pretty solid. I mean, Edward Julian had a really good rookie year last year, is, is going to be, you know, a, a really solid own base guy. Um, Royce Lewis finally was stayed healthy for a p- large portion of a season and was uh, very, very good for them at third base, hit for a lot of power. Uh, you know, he's going to continue to develop. Byron Buxton's interesting because, you know, they tried to keep him healthy last year by DHing him, and it just didn't go well. Like, his, he's, his value is tied into being an electric center fielder with that speed and then having the power at the plate. And I think sometimes – I said this before the season last year with Byron Buxton. Like, if you're only going to get 100 games from him, you're only going to get 100 games from him. But you've got to utilize his entire value. And you just hope that, that that time he plays center field and is healthy is in the playoffs if you make it. Like, he's a guy that can be – he can carry your team for a stretch of time. But there's just always a large chance that he's going to miss time. So – but, I mean, you put him in – show him in that lineup and, you know, if he stays – if he stayed healthy for a year, he'd be like a – you know, dark horse to be like an MVP candidate type, but he just didn't do well with the DHing, and they've got a fairly deep lineup. I mean, you look at the rest of their guys. I mean, Ryan Jeffers is a solid catcher, a pretty good hitter for a catcher. You've got, uh, you know, Walner's fine. Yeah, Carlos Santana is a veteran. He's going to get on base. He's not the best guy to have in there. Of course, you've got, like I mentioned, the depth with, uh, you know, with uh, with uh, Brooks Lee potentially making it to the big leagues this year, but. Um, you look at their pitching and it's fine, I guess. Uh, Pablo Lopez was, was great last year. I think he'll be really good again. Joe Ryan's pretty good. He gives up some home runs, but his, you know, his stuff is good enough. He he doesn't walk a lot of guys, gets a lot of strikeouts and he's going to pitch to a, he doesn't have quite the upside because of the profile of his fastball, but he does still, um, you know, he, he gets a lot of swing and miss, and he, he's a really solid number two for them. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I think this lot's going to depend on Chris Paddock for their rotation because coming, coming back healthy, uh, if he's able to stay healthy, because he was pretty good for them when he when he's pitched for them after, their, after they acquired him. And uh, I think that he's a guy that has the talent if he can be healthy for a year and, and can kind of continue to put it together. So, and then Disclafani's a solid innings eater. And then their, their bullpen's really good. I mean, you've got... John Duran is probably uh, with Felix Batista out. He might be the best closer in baseball this year, him or, or maybe Hayter. Um, and then you've got maybe Edwin Diaz coming off his injury too. But uh, you got Brock Stewart's really solid. Caleb Thielbar is pretty good. Justin Topo was good last year. Uh, Josh Thalmount's a really interesting piece in their bullpen as a guy who throws extremely hard. So, um, I mean, I, I like this team fairly well. i they're kind of I think of them kind of similarly to the Guardians. It's kind of an opposite team with their lineup. This team slugs a pretty good bit and doesn't quite 
make as much contact, but the Guardians have like no slug. But they got a pretty good own base, um, so you know this it'll, that'll be in, an interesting parallel there. But I, I I like this team, and I think they're positioned fairly well here, even with the underwhelming offseason. So for the Twins, you're still in win now mode for sure on on the fact that you know if you don't win this division, it feels like a failure. So I think this is a solid team, and we'll see if they're able to you know maybe have a little bit more than just being a solid contender in their division. Yeah, I mean, you know, this this Twins team disappoint. Well, they did win their first playoff game, right? You know, yeah. They made it one round last season. Royce Lewis, big big playoffs, but um, you know, a lot everything Matt said, I, I I follow up on. I guess my question for the the Twins is, did you did you do enough to make up for the loss of Polanco? Did you do enough to make up for the loss of Sonny Gray? And I don't think they did. I think this team is in an objectively worse spot than they were last year. They're ultimately a very similar team, but I think they are worse. And that's a team that won 87 games last year, but we all felt like they underachieved to get to the 87 wins, right? I mean, I think that's a pretty, you know, we we all felt that this was a team that could have won 90 plus last year with Sonny Gray in that rotation. You know, now it's no Sonny Gray. And, and you know, I, I just think that because this Twins team didn't do much, this seat this offseason where just you know trading out Jorge Polanco for Carlos Santana to to fit the uh you know the the positional versatility on their infield a little bit better you know I just think this team is a little bit worse than it was last year and um you know I, I really like you know Pablo Lopez I love Joe Ryan I think Chris Paddock is a great guy to bet on for for an upside play this season um and obviously I love Joan Duran but I just don't see this the the impact of just a few players being able to overcome an overall kind of feel of mediocrity unless you get a huge season from Edouard Julien or Royce Lewis again or Alex Kirilov. Unless you have a breakout of one of the younger guys on this team, I do not feel particularly good about their grasp on the division. That said, this is a division full of teams at about 80 wins, and this is a team I feel very comfortable at 85 wins or so. So off season wise, I mean, like maybe a D plus, maybe a C minus. They just, you know, they they lost Tori Polanco and then Sonny Gray and didn't really do anything about it. But it, it it you don't have to do a lot when this division is so one, it's so competitive, but two, it's competitive with teams that aren't ninety win clubs. It's not like last week when we talked about the AL East. That's maybe four ninety win type teams. You know, this week we're talking about four eighty win type teams, and that's not that's not nearly as difficult to overcome, you know, you're going to, but you are going to get some, some variance. And this twins team, I think could be a subject of that variance where, you know, they lose a few extra games based on, you know, some of these games that Bailey Ober is going to have to start. And, you know, that's, it just ends up not working out for them to where they maybe miss the playoffs because you won't be able to make the wild card because this division, whoever wins this division is only going to win like 85 games. Yeah, see, I think I feel a little bit different than you, David. Um, replacing Jorge Polanco doesn't necessarily have to come from an outside area here. Edward Julian, in his, what, 106 games last year, had a 136 WRC+. Plus. Alex Kirilov, in his 88 games, had a 120 WRC+. Plus. And the big one here that everyone's forgetting, Carlos Correa had a 96 WRC+, plus last year. I don't mm-hmm. think that's happening again. Like you give 
Julian or more played appearances. Kirilov is going to play more. And I doubt Carlos Correa is going to have that bad of an offensive season back to back years. That that's where the improvement on the offense comes from. Even Carlos Santana is going to give you, you know, about half of the production. Probably Jorge Polanco is going to give you regardless. And then you get, you get Julian playing more. There's, you know, another quarter of it. And then if Correa improves even a quarter, like, Let's say he's a, a 120 WRC plus instead of a 133 or 140 guy, and he hits 250, you know, 260 again. But he's hitting, you know, he hit 18 homers last year as well. It's like, I, I think that that's where part of that production comes from. Now losing Sonny Gray and not doing much on the pitching side to, for the for the top of the rotation there, I think is a question mark. Now Joe Ryan, Bailey Ober, Chris Paddock, Disclafani, those are all fine pitchers. Um, they're just not, I mean, even Ryan's really, really good, but they're not the top level, you know, going to finish third in AL Cy Young, most likely, like Sonny Gray did, or second, whatever he finished. Um, so the starting pitching side is probably where that is, but I think on the offensive side, I think this team is just fine losing that, especially with a potential Brooks Lee call up here later in the season. Yeah, and I, I want to add on that Carlos Correa thing, um, him and Byron Buxton both. Like there, yeah. there's health is going to be a big deal there with both of those guys, but I mean, if they're healthy or even remotely healthy in Buxton's case, who is never fully healthy, uh, you know, the 120 WRC plus is pretty reasonable to expect from them, which gives you like two hitters that go from being just okay to being well above average and, and Buxton also just being such a great defensive center fielder, you can take him out of the DH spot and, and you're not losing Michael A. Taylor's, you know, center field defense that he played for them last year. And, and of course he had a terrible bat. You, you know, you, now you can put in a, a, a actual DH like Alex Kirilov or Jose Miranda. I guess they'll probably platoon them a little bit. And then you got, you know, maybe if Brooks Lee comes up, you can slide Carlos Santana to DH, you know, like that's a lot better of a DH situation that, that re- you're replacing the Michael A. Taylor bat with one of those bats, which is a really good improvement too. So there's a few different things here that are probably working in their favor to, to improve without actually adding anything. Yeah. I, I think they'll be they'll be just fine there. It's going to come to the pitching side on where you you get the question marks, um, you know, of the the top level pitching, at least for me. Um, but I, I think they're the clear favorite in this division right now still, um, mm-hmm. and, and they've had a, a pretty solid off season regardless. So, but that wraps up the you know team by team breakdown as a whole of this division. What are we what are we thinking here? You know, is it for a long time, it's been considered one of the worst divisions in baseball. Do we still kind of feel that way? I do. I mean, I think I think it's the second worst this okay. year. Yeah, I think I it's think moved it's, up. I think it's between them and the NL Central. And yep, Central fans just have a bad time right now. I think it's not great. Better, but <sighs> the NL yeah, Central is better. But the it, yeah, NL Central. I mean, the, the NL Central doesn't have a White Sox team in their division. Like all the teams True. have some form of upside True. to them. Like even the Pirates have some young players that that are that you really like. So the the White Sox don't really have any upside. And, and honestly, I mean, I think that like like you're looking at the Cubs and the Reds right now, kind of being that two and three, and the or the and the Brewers. I mean, all three of those teams are solid teams. I think they're all better than the Royals and the Tigers. 
So, mm-hmm. and probably the, I mean, depending on who you ask, probably the Guardians too. So, even as currently constructed, and of course the Cubs probably add another piece at some point. And you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised there. So, I definitely think that the NL Central better. This is definitely the worst division for me in baseball. And uh, you know, but you know, you never know. You get in if one of these teams gets in, they could get hot and go all the way. I mean, the Diamondbacks were the worst team in the playoffs last year, and they went to the World Series. So, mm-hmm. it's like. It's true there. Yeah, ultimately, I mean, the, the AL Central ha- might have more wins. It, it'll happen a lot like it did last year, where the AL Central might have more wins at, with their division winner, but the NL Central will have more teams in the fight, right? Uh, like, over 80 wins. Because we talked about all these teams with potential to win 80 games, but I, I think only a couple of them do. Some Somebody's going to lose games in this division, right? It's either going to be the Royals or the Tigers, you know, or the Guardians, right? One of those teams is going to lose a bunch of games and end up, you know, selling at the deadline and 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 pulling back on it and not winning as many games. And and the the yeah, the NL Central won't have that. So yeah, it's probably the worst division, but they're close. They're they're closer than they were. Makes for an interesting conversation for sure. So, anyways, I think that'll wrap up this episode. Um, unless you guys have anything else you want to finish up on, real quick. No. I don't think so. Cool. Oh, uh, mentioned Liam Hendricks signed with the Red Sox because we already did that. Interesting, interesting move there. But yeah, I like that. He's a uh, pulling for him after all the things he's dealt with. So I hope he does well. He hasn't been. Um, he won't be able to pitch until mid like August yeah. or so, yeah. July or August. So. So. It's one of those like, pay him, go ahead, get him on in your, you know, in your uh, rehab program in your organization yeah. and get a couple months out of him this year to get his get it back under his feet and then next year he can be uh hopefully be your closer again yeah just get us to the deadline so we could trade our closer and then we can activate our other closer that we signed there you go that's what we want to do so alrighty, thank you guys for tuning into this episode of the batflip podcast and we'll catch you guys back next week for the american league west